Farm Food Facts, where every farmer, every acre, and every voice matter. Welcome to the Farm Food Facts interactive podcast presented by the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance. USFRA and me, Phil Limpert, have formed a partnership to engage in weekly conversations with retailers and media in this unique podcast to answer questions around topics including sustainability, metrics, water conservation, soil health, and animal care. U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance wants to be your resource for all things food and agriculture. This weekly podcast on Wednesdays from 1130 to 12 noon Central Time offers CPG's retailers and food trade media a central location to access food and agriculture news and the opportunity to engage directly with a farmer or rancher and sustainability thought leaders in real time. Our format is that the first part of the podcast is a trend update from USFRA's CEO, Aaron Fitzgerald. Today, it's on the UN IPCC special report on global warming and other current ag issues. The second part will be a news briefing of topics in food, agriculture, and sustainability that are relevant to grocery retailers. Then we'll finish up with the Q&A today with Brad and Peggy Greenway, pig farmers, USFRA chairman, former pig farmer of the year, and let retailers know what today's farmers are all about. Each week, we will feature a different food or ag leader and farmers on the podcast. Following the Q&A session with our farmer, you can access the chat button in the lower black bar on your Zoom screen to ask our speakers any questions. Farm Food Facts will last no more than 30 minutes. If there are any questions that we're not able to get to, Paul Spooner from USFRA will follow up directly. Let's get started. Aaron. Thanks, Phil. So today we wanna to talk about climate change. You've seen that the UN report said that it's possible to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, but it would require unprecedented change from both government and industry. And even with a 1.5 degree centigrade increase, the world can expect some serious changes to weather, sea levels, agriculture, and natural ecosystems. This report was approved by the IPCC earlier this month and was announced through Public Atria. Nearly 91 authors and review editors from 40 countries prepared the report with the invitation from the United Nations Framework on the Convention of Climate Change. You, you might remember the Paris Agreement in 2015. One of the key messages that came out from this report is that we are already seeing the consequences of global warming or extreme weather patterns, rising sea levels, and diminishing Arctic sea. They also stress the potential to limit would require um, innovation and action. And that's where I think we have an opportunity today to talk about agriculture and particularly farmers' role that we have. First of all, when we think about agriculture's role in the conversation uh, on climate change, we need to remember that the IPCC and the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change is just one aspect of the entirety of the, of the UN Framework for the Sustainable Development Goals. And uniquely, agriculture plays a role not just in climate change, which we'll talk about, but in goal number two, which is about nourishing communities and societies in the face of climate change. 
So 183 world leaders in September of 2015 said one of our greatest challenges of our time is to be able to produce food in the face of climate change. So let's talk about the role that agriculture and farmers have to play. First, not all carbons are created equal. Um, there is what's called biogenic carbon, and these are, this is carbon that is naturally cycled from the sun and is particularly the, the carbon that you see in the agricultural sector. And then there's all other carbon, and that's derived largely from our fossil fuel system, and that's carbon that's taken from the earth from centuries ago and then released into the air. And it's that phosphorus source matters of where these, these emissions are coming from, not just the type of carbon. So in the United States, agriculture represents 9% of total carbon impact, and the other 91% um, of that carbon impact is from industrial or derived from fossil fuel use. And again, that's non-renewable carbon, whereas when you have agriculture, it's biogenic carbon that is constantly cycling carbon through the atmosphere through plants. And that's where our carbon and agriculture story gets very exciting. Agriculture has the ability to actually grow more forests and crops to absorb carbon dioxide. We also have a, a potential to offset um, current electricity through biofuels and um, using agricultural waste or co-products to create um, fossil fuels that offset fossil fuels. And we have tremendous potential just in the the acreage across America to sequester carbon and draw down carbon and actually act as a carbon sink. So in many ways, agriculture is the solution to many of the, the different sectors on climate change. And the question is, have we been able to reduce our carbon footprint over time? If, any, if history can be a lesson, then um, it can also tell you your future. Soybeans have grown 46% more soybeans than they did 30 years ago by reducing the amount of irrigation and soil loss and energy use. Pork uh, industry, it only now takes five hogs to produce the same amount of pork that was required in 1960. They've reduced their carbon footprint by 78%, and dairy has reduced their carbon footprint by 64%. All of these trends that are lessons learned because of a, norm, a, a commitment by farmers towards stewardship and sustainability and continuous improvement. So if history is any lesson, then it's my guess that our future with agriculture at the table, that we can actually solve for some of these issues related to climate change by drawing down carbon through our plants and soils. And farmers have been committed as stewards for generations in the U.S. and all around the world. If we can elevate farmers as the solution for climate change, give them a seat at the table, then I'm quite confident that we can draw down and be a solution to sequestering carbon in our soils, our plants, and our animals to help solve for some of these grand challenges. Back to you, Phil. Thank you, Erin. Hurricane Michael has had a devastating impact on the South. Farmers are facing severe challenges due to storm damage. The tropical storm Hurricane Michael has ravaged various crops in several different states. Cotton, peanut, and pecan production have all been affected, with timber mills and livestock farms feeling the effects as well. The storm reached Category 4 strength last week with its intense, gutsy winds with cotton farmers feeding the biggest impact. Cotton production in the South is already vulnerable from the effects of Hurricane Florence back in September. 
And now cotton crops are extra susceptible to damage from Michael's high winds because the plant boils have cracked open, exposing the fluffy white bits to the wind and rain. These extreme weather events have had a huge impact on ag, with farmers struggling to recover from the decimation of their crops. We'll continue to watch the progression closely and may hear more later from farmers in terms of what's next after the storm blows over. Our second story is all about the Internet of Cows. New technologies can help farmers increase efficiency and create more sustainable farming. These days, nearly every aspect of our lives are affected by technology. And that goes for farmers and ranchers as well. Farmers are using technology such as moisture sensors, drones, smart irrigation, terrain contour mapping, and self-driving GPS-enabled tractors to produce food more sustainably. In some places, artificial intelligence is being utilized to help farmers increase their yields and minimize environmental damage. And with ongoing water shortages and climate change, it's becoming increasingly important for farming techniques to evolve alongside the rise of tech in our culture. Walmart leads retailers in joining the IBM Food Trust Network to improve food safety. Some of the most critical issues that impact food safety, such as cross-contamination and foodborne illness, unnecessary waste, and the economic burden of recalls are intensified by retailers' inability to access necessary data and traceability. However, Walmart stores, along with Kroger and several other food suppliers, have said they plan to join forces on a blockchain initiative with IBM, which aims to increase safety measures in the food chain. Blockchain is a technology that creates a digital record of transactions in blocks that cannot be altered, in turn providing a quicker, more accurate alternative to paper records and manual inspection systems, which have previously been used in our food supply. By using the system, retailers can trace foodborne illnesses to their source immediately, a process that often takes several weeks when using more traditional record keeping. This new method seems quite promising in terms of reducing contamination issues and creating a safer and healthier consumer experience. In addition to Walmart and Kroger, the trust includes Driscoll's, Dole, Garden State Foods, McCormick, McLean, Nestle, Tyson Foods, and Unilever. Number four, we head to Delaware, where this food bank is measuring the amount of veggies in people's skin. The Food Bank of Delaware has got a veggie meter, and they say that it's changing the way people are consuming fruits and vegetables. Now, this may sound a bit silly at first, but with a $15,000 price tag, the veggie meter is no joke, and it's even been approved by the USDA. This is how it works. You enter your height and weight, then stick your finger into the device, which looks a little bit like an electric pencil sharpener, but not sharp. The meter can then detect how many fruits and vegetables you've consumed by using an LED light, which measures a specific pigment stored in our skin. Carotenoids, the antioxidant found in green, yellow, orange, and red fruits and vegetables. And the higher you score on the scale of zero to 800, the better. Most consumers score somewhere between 200 and 400, but using this cool new veggie meter encourages folks to want to raise their produce intake by making it fun. What a great way to improve the average person's desire to consume fruits and vegetables and increase consumption of produce. 
Our last story is breaking down apples to the core. With the leaves turning colors and the weather turning cool, the season is ripe for apple picking. Can you guess what America's top performing apple variety is? Well, Nielsen reports that the top five apple varieties are, drum roll please, Gala, Fuji, Granny Smith, Red Delicious, and in the number one spot, Honeycrisp. Now, if you've tasted one of these sweet and crunchy Honeycrisp apples, then you'll completely understand why, because they are so delicious. However, despite the public's demand for Honeycrisp, the apple category as a whole has been struggling, with apple sales declining last month. Still, even with this general decline, the data also shows that there's an increase in consumer interest and consumption of organic, non-GMO, and preservative-free apples. So that's something to keep in mind. Now we move to our next session with Brad and Peggy Greenway. So guys, we first met a couple years ago when Brad was named the Pig Farmer of the Year. And now, Brad, you're the USFRA's chairman. Congratulations. But Peggy, before we let Brad talk, can you tell me what's more exciting, being chairman or the Pig Farmer of the Year? <laughs> well, I would I would say that anytime Brad has a chance to represent agriculture, it is an exciting and important opportunity. Um, both roles have really allowed him many opportunities to talk with consumers and influencers about the benefits of modern agriculture um, and the continual improvements being made in animal care, soil care, um, precision crop practices, and reduce environmental impact for growing food and fiber. So um, some great opportunities. Absolutely. And to be honest with you, I think they should have made you both the pig farmers of the year because you're really partners, uh, not only in life, uh, but also on the farm. So before we start talking about what's going on at the family farm, uh, Brad, take a moment to share with me, what are your goals for USFRA as chairman? Well, thanks, Phil. And it, it really is. When you mentioned the pig farmer, it, it is. It's a, it's a team effort, and we'll discuss that a little bit farther down the line. But uh, it really is. I appreciate Peggy and, and the help we have here on the farm. I guess my goal and, you know, of, of, for U.S. Farm and Ranch Alliance, and I look back, and it's truly been a privilege and an honor to be part of U.S. Farm and Ranch Alliance. I actually represent National Pork Board on U.S. Farm and Ranch Alliance. So our board members are made up of board members from from other commodity groups and ag industry partners. And so I think the mission of USFRA when it was first formed was to bring agriculture and industry partners together. And it very well did that. And to have a dialogue with consumers and influencers about food and farming. And so you look back and it obviously was bringing the farmer's voice to the conversation. When I look going forward, and I'll tell you, it is exciting. We're excited to have Aaron on board and, and what we want to call maybe a 1.5 or a U.S. Farm and Farmers and Ranchers Alliance 2.0. I think going forward, we definitely want to make sure that we continue to expand and bring more of agriculture around the table and to be part of, of U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance. I also think that a new emphasis going forward is going to make sure that we bring you know, the rest of our food and trade partners in, around the table. And so from retailers to, to food service to CPGs, I think one thing that I've learned is having the opportunities of going out and visiting with group, a lot of times we can learn as much from our customers and our industry partners than what we do here on the farm. And so we need to bring them around the table and make sure they're involved with this conversation as we go forward. I think the other thing is, is we need to continue. And that's what, and, and I, Peggy mentioned some opportunities that's where U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance 
we make sure that the farmer's voice is heard. Agriculture, if we're talking about food and farming, make sure that the farmer's voice is part of that. And I think that's kind of be the neat thing going forward. If U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance can be looked at as a resource, so retailers and, and all those can look to us as a one-stop shop. You know, this is agriculture. We have access to some of the greatest, I feel, the ag leaders and farmers. We have our Faces of Farming that has been a mainstay since the beginning of Farmers and Ranchers Alliance. You know, to put them on panels, ask those the questions. We newly uh, have some uh, farm sustainability officers representing each commodity. And so we truly do have a lot of resources that I think will be invaluable to a lot of people around the food chain conversation. So Brad, everyone these days is talking about sustainability. That's top of mind to all the cohorts that you talked about, whether it be retail, CPG, on the farm. Can you give me a top line of what's going on here in the U.S. on the farm and ranches as it relates to sustainability? You know, I think, you know, just here, sustainability, I think, has always been on, on our minds. Maybe we used a different word for it. I think back, I mean, as far as, you know, taking care of the environment. I think what Farmers and Ranchers Alliance did, they put the Ag in America Sustainability Report together. I think when you look at that and you see what every commodity, whether it's corn, soybeans, pigs, you know, we raise pigs, cattle, the amount of improvement that has come about in in, in doing a better job of being more sustainable. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk on pigs just for a second. I think of over the years, fifth pork did a 50 year look back from 1959 till now. We've decreased water usage by 41%. Feed efficiencies increased. Uh, you know, our land use is down 78% and carbon emissions. That's just on pork. You can do the wow. same thing with soybeans wow. and beef and all of those things. And we've seen that on our farm. And that's what's really neat when we have people come out or if I get a chance to be on a panel or have a conversation, just explain what we've done and the reasons that we have changed agriculture and, and our practices. Sometimes people look at it and say, you know what, I wish it was the way it was back 50 years ago. I think that we need to look back and say, this is how much we've improved and we're going to continue to improve. And so sustainability is on the front of everybody's mind. I think as farmers, it's always been our mind, taking care of the environment. All of that plays a role in not only efficiencies on our farm, but doing what's right for the environment and the consuming public every day. So it's, it's uh, right now it's a, it's a great word and, and it's on everybody's mind. And I think farmers and ranch alliance can be at the front, forefront of, of explaining that. So what I'm hearing from you, Brad, is that sustainability um, has always been, you know, rule number one, if you would, for farmers and ranchers. And now the rest of the supply chain down to the consumer it's a buzzword for them, but this has been your lifeblood. This is the way you, you live your life and, and have the farm, operate the farm. You know, it really is. And, and again, I look back of how, and I know Peggy, we're going to talk about a little bit how we changed our farm, but every time that we'd make a change, it, it, we're looking at a number of things. Yes. Can we do better in our case of, you know, can we do a better job of taking care of our animals on animal welfare? There was a lot added benefits to that and a lot of it come down to sustainability when we took increased the, the animal welfare put them indoors made sure they were comfortable the amount of feed that they took the amount of uh, water that they consumed all of that went down just by it was and it was measurable i mean we did that because for eight years we had a side by side of the way we used to use braised pigs and then in our new barns and just on our farm and we're not by any means big but in that time we 
we've saved 160 acres of corn and, and 90 acres of soybean acres per year just on feed efficiency. And so I think it's something that farmers are measuring all the time. We're looking at, uh, and, and there's just a lot of added benefits. It's the forefront of every farmer's mind, I think. So let's move back to the Greenway farm. Peggy, how is your farm and the farming practices different than they were just five years ago? I mean, Brad talked about the difference between 20 years ago, but what have, what have happened in the past five years that we should know about? Well, actually, there's a lot of things. I mean, really, on the animal side, um, we made our biggest change. It would be 12 years ago when we built our first modern um, pig barns. We moved them out from outside production to indoors. Um, it's been so rewarding to provide better comfort for our pigs. I mean, that is the number one thing that we think about all the time. Um, and we can provide that better comfort during all the weather extremes in South Dakota here. Um, but also be able to see the improved efficiency, like Brad mentioned, to be able to measure the reduced land and water we need to raise those pigs. I mean, I think that those are exciting stories and we as farmers need to um, to own that and, and um, celebrate that, I guess. So modern practices produce a really a sustainability win, I think. Um, on the crop side, in the last five years, Brad and our employee together with our agronomists have been um, implementing a software app, app that works with our planter, our sprayer and combine to track all the information and use that information to more precisely use um, crop inputs like fertilizer, seed, and crop protection products. Those things are, um, again, so exciting to be able to, like I said, be more precise on, on how much seed we put on certain areas of each field, um, how much fertilizer so that there's very little waste. So it's it's all it's all very exciting and that part of it i don't know the details as much as brad does but it's 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 awesome to be able to be able to see the streams and the um the information that the, this app provides so you know brad when you describe this this app and and certainly we know about you know gps running tractors and so on you know how important has technology been over the past couple of years for farming and ranching and how important do you think it's going to be? You know, we, we hear a lot about generations that have grown up with mobile devices. They do everything on mobile devices. Is it now time for the farmer to do that? You know, it, it, it is and it, and it has been, Phil. And I, I'll just give you a couple examples. And honestly, a week ago or two weeks ago, I guess now I had the opportunity. I was out at, the, at a food forum out in New York City. And, um, they were showing on the screen the technology. Well, that's exactly the same stuff we're using. And so um, I could have conversations, whether it was a CEO with a food company out there or, or a retailer and say, you know what, here's what we're doing. And I could bring it up on my phone. And literally just to explain a little bit, we can bring it up on my phone and I can see, you know, if, if we're harvesting through the field, if my employee, well, I'm gone, they're going through the field. I can see that. I can see the exact yield as they're going through the field. And I might be in New York City. You think that's all cool, but the need, the reason we do that is it's just over time we're using that we can start tracking the soil types, the amount of seed that's put on there. Peggy mentioned the fertilizer. I mean, I think about the environment every day. This farm that we're on, my dad is still on the farm. He was born in, so it's just about 100 years. 
I would have to say that the land is more productive today than it ever has been in the life of us being on this farm. But we can precisely put the fertilizer down. We can put the fertilizer down just when the crop needs it. Literally every week a satellite goes over and shows us crop growth and image of the growing crop. And that's when we'll apply the fertilizer, less chance of runoff. Again, all of this comes back. Same thing on pesticides. So literally right now, Phil, I can look at my phone, my agronomist and my employee and Peggy, we all have access to that. And he can say, you know what, here's what I'm seeing when he's out scouting the fields. He can put a pin out there to show a weed, a rock, uh, a bad soil type, all of that. And we have access to that. And, and going forward, there's more of that. And, and farmers will use that to not only be more efficient as margins are very tight, but also do what's right, just apply what we need when we need it in the right amounts. And so it's exciting. Uh, it's, it's changing every day. There's new stuff coming out. And, and again, working with the people that are very experienced in that, whether it's our veterinary or agronomist, uh, be willing to adapt some of that because it's really exciting and it's going to be good uh, for farmers going forward. Now, Brad, you mentioned, you know, you talk to CPG companies, you talk to retailers. Let me put you on the spot. What's the number one question that you get from grocery retailers when they meet you? You know, I think, and, and again, a lot of times I'm visiting about it's, it's about the pigs. And, and we do, we've got a diversified farm. So we have a cattle farm, we have pigs, we grow corn, soybeans, wheat, and alfalfa. A lot of it comes down to the conversations around pigs, because that's been my passion, honestly, all my life. And again, it's, it's talking about how we how we deal with the nutrients or the manure. Uh, it's what we're doing about odor. Um, and again, is the food safe and how are we taking care of our animals? So I would say environment and animal welfare are probably the two questions I get asked all the time. And a lot of times, and, and on my phone, I'll bet you I've got a, a number of pictures and I always am willing to bring up, here's what it looks like. And that spurs a conversation. So people truly are interested in how food's growing and raised, and we need to be the ones to help explain that and answer any questions they have. Be as transparent about what we do every day on the farm as we possibly can. And that's exactly why USFRA has created Farm Food Facts podcast uh, to allow our retailer community, our CPG community, and our trade media community to really ask the questions and understand what's going on. I want to thank Aaron. Peggy and Brad, of course, for, you know, a great discussion, some great insights, and be assured that every week we're going to bring it even better and hit it home more. Uh, if you want more things, more information on all things farmers and ranchers, and to download this podcast, please visit us at fooddialogues.com backslash farm food facts. And with that, I see we just have about a minute or so, so I'll give you back your time. Thanks so much for joining us all, and we'll talk to you next week.